0: Well, we're going to dive in this morning um, to part two of a series we started last week entitled, A Weary World Rejoices. If you missed last week, um, all of our services are online, podcast, all that stuff. They they put them all over the place. And so you can go and just search City Beat Church, and I'm sure you can find it somewhere. Um, But I'm going to pray this morning, and then we're going to dive in to part two of our series in Isaiah chapter nine. Lord, we love you this morning. And Lord, I pray you would open our hearts to receive from you. Lord, let people not hear my words, let them hear yours. For your, your word is living and active, and it's sharper than the double edged sword. It speaks to the deep things of our hearts. So, God, I, I pray this morning, maybe there's someone within the sound of my voice, Lord, that really, really, really just feels like, God, I'm in, I'm in desperation mode. Lord, I pray this morning, your word would literally be the bread in which they need. God, we can feed this outward temple. But it's wasting away. But God, our spirit, man, if we would learn to renew it in the things of God and in the Word of God, man, we would find ourselves in a totally different place. So, Lord, help us this morning to receive from you and only you. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people say, Amen, amen and amen. Well, last week we started a, a series entitled A Weary World Rejoices, and we're going to pick up in part two. Our series is is based in Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet, and um, you can go back and re-watch or re-listen to last week's service. I'm not going to re-preach last week's message, but we are going to read the entirety of where we're at in our series. And then we're going to be in part two this morning. And so I have the big screen Bible up here. If you brought your Bibles, you can open them up to Isaiah chapter nine. But if you don't have it, I got you covered this morning. And Luke, you can hit me up with my first slide there. Thank you, buddy. And we're going to be in Isaiah chapter nine, starting in verse number one. This is what God's speaking to his people. His people were in a very desperate place, okay? They were captives. Their, their city was overrun by, by invaders. I mean, these people literally who once had a, a glorious kingdom, their, their houses and their glory was down to shrubs and, and shrubble. You with me? Nothing left. And so these people are thinking, there's nothing to rejoice in, nothing to give thanks to. But Isaiah steps on the scene as a prophet of God and speaks about something that is to come that is why they need to anchor their soul, anchor their heart in something right now because there's something coming. Someone say something coming. And so look what Isaiah says on behalf of God. He says, nevertheless, this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah, that time of darkness and despair will not go on, someone say, forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time, someone say a time, there will be a time in the what future when galilee of the gentiles which lies along the road that runs between the jordan and the sea will be what filled with glory that word glory there is the actual word kabod someone say kabod that word kabod is is such a glorious presence of God that literally it's like a weight, like you can sense it, you can feel it. It's like everyone knows it's there. You with me? It's not just like oh, there's a mystical thing in the room. No, it's literally you. You know God is in the room. It's this glory. So God's saying you won't just see it; you're gonna feel it with your own spirit, man. So the 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 the, the Jordan it will see will be filled with the glory. Verse two: The people who walk in darkness will see what a gray light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Verse number three, you will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing plunder. We're going to stop right there for one second and then we're going to jump into part two over the next couple of verses. But last week, I preached directly on these three verses And what I was sharing with you is that this was so prophetic because these verses are talking about Jesus coming as he did. You with me? These verses have been fulfilled. Someone say fulfilled. That's what makes the Bible the most accurate book on the planet is it's not just words on a page, but watch this. It's prophecy that has been, someone say, fulfilled. Now there's unfulfilled prophecy, but this right here has already been fulfilled. It's talking about the hope, someone say, of a savior. And guess who that savior was? Jesus, that Savior was Jesus. So Isaiah is saying, hey, you may be in deep darkness. You may be in deep despair. You may be hopeless and, and feel like all everything is crashing around you, but there's a, a light coming, and it's going to shine. And when that light shines, it's going to bring such a glory that no one's going to miss it. It's just going to be boom, amazing. And that light's going to come, and the people that walk in great darkness are going to see a light. And I talked last week about it's interesting that Isaiah talked about that the, the prophet was saying that Jesus was going to start in the furthest regions. So this, this, this Jordan, between the Jordan and the Sea of Galilee, wasn't just like something that they were speaking about. But the, these, these distant lands in Israel were the most desolated lands when the Babylonians came and wiped them out. Someone say wiped them out. So these were like the devastated, like all of Israel got devastated. But these furthest lands were like the outcast lands. They were like the, 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 the lands that people were saying, You're, it's going to be hard to resettle there. And so it's interesting in Jesus' ministry, guess where he started? He started, and I preached about this last week. You Go back and re-listen to it if you missed it. He started in that exact location. And who did he call? He called two different groups of fishermen. You remember the story last week? A guy by the name of Simon and his brother. Another guy's by the name of James and John, you with me? He started in the furthest region, and he said, I'm going to grab me some fishermen, and they're going to be a part of my disciples, and we're going to go and shake this nation. And it's a beautiful thing, isn't it, how God can go to the most distant places in our lives. The things that we think are uninhabitable, places that we say, that's forgotten about. And God knows how to bring light to dark places. And so last week, you can go re-listen to that. But we're going to jump into the next section of our verses. And we're going to jump into verse number four. And this is what it says. This is talking about what Christ is going to do. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. Come on, some of you guys need to receive this this morning. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. Verse 5, the boots of the warrior and the uniform blood bloodstains by war will all be burned, and they will be fuel for the fire. So I want to read this one more time, and I want you to lock this in. This is going to be our, our couple verses for this morning. It says this, for you will break. So it's talking about Jesus. When he comes, when this hope of a Messiah, when he comes, what's he going to do? He's going to break the yoke of slavery. How many guys know that's what sin is? It, it ties you and, 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 and enslaves you to something. But, but Jesus came to break that. You with me? And he came to lift off that heavy burden that sin brings. You with me? The weights of this world will bring a worriness and a worry. All the things will bring like, like a burden on your shoulders. And what did Jesus come to? He came to lift that heavy burden right off of you. He came to break that oppressor's rod. And then I love it because God brings a reminder. Sometimes we need that in our life. You with me? So what does he do? He goes back to a story, and we're going to actually dive into that story today. But he says, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. Someone say Midian. Midian. The boots of the warrior, the uniform blood stains by war, will all be burned. They'll be fuel for the fire. So it's interesting. God speaks to the prophet Isaiah saying, hey, I'm going to lift all this stuff off of you. All the weight, all the heaviness, all the burden that you're carrying, I'm going to lift it right off of you. Amen. But then he said, but I want to remind you of how I did it before. Because the same God who did it before can do it again, do it again. And so to do that, what I want to do is, is last week I showed you how that promise was fulfilled through Jesus and how Jesus started in the furthest regions and how he came and his ministry started. This morning, I want to, I want to, I want to, we're going to go back a little bit deeper into the Old Testament and we're going to go to a book called Judges. Someone say Judges. Judges is an interesting book and what we're going to do is we're going to highlight this this one little phrase here where just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian just as you destroyed when you destroyed the army so God is bringing a reminder to his people don't forget what I did because right now you're in a desolate place your city has been burned and destroyed and don't forget of what I did in the past. Because you may be seeing me speak of things to come, and you you may find your heart being h- hopeless and and in despair. But the God who did it before will do it again. And so in Judges chapter number, we're going to start in Judges chapter six um, this morning. I'm gonna I'm gonna run through this and I'm going to really try to highlight some things that the Lord's put on my heart to try to encourage you this morning that there's a hope only found in Jesus. Listen, join the December Christmas month. We can find ourselves overwhelmed by so many different things, but we need to remember Christ is the center around this season. And so this verse highlights the prophetic message of Jesus coming and Isaiah speaking of that many, many hundreds of years before Jesus even came on the scene. And so God brings a reminder to his people saying, don't forget what I did to the Midianites. Now, who were the Midianites? Someone say, who were they? Well, to go back to them, we have to go to Judges chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse number 1 of Judges chapter 6. And... Our story entails a couple chapters. So there's going to be times where I'm going to read, times where I'm going to pause, times where I'm going to kind of narrate some of the story. But I want to challenge you. You can go back and read this entire story, Judges chapter 6, 7, and 8. And um, I challenge you to, to that will be your homework this week, read it in its entirety and, and read it with a highlighter or a pen and an extra piece of paper. I promise you God will speak to you through this story. But we're going to start in Judges chapter 6, verse 1. And this is what it says. The Israelites, those were God's people. God's special people that he called out of slavery, out of Egypt, and put them in the promised land. They are now in the promised land. Someone say promised land. They had everything they needed. God was their leader. They had abundance of food and everything they had needed. But watch this. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites. Oh, there's our people right there. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Verse 2. The Midianites were so cruel. Someone say cruel. That the, that, the, the, that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains and caves and strongholds. So isn't it interesting? The promised land in which God gave to his people, the very people that he promised the land to, they're now in hiding. They're hiding in the very land that God said, it's yours, take it. Live in abundance, live in freedom, live victorious, and anything you need, you need it's here. But now they're hiding, why? Well, because it goes back to verse one, the Israelites did what? evil in the Lord's sight. So verse number two, the Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites were made, they had to make hiding places for themselves in the mountains and caves and strongholds. Verse three, whenever the Israelites planted their crops and every time they, they planted their crops, the Midianites and the Malachites and the people of the East would attack Israel. Verse number four, camping in the land and destroying crops as far as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat. These enemies hoarded hoarded everything, coming with their livestock and for their tents, and were as thick as locusts. They arrived on, on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Interesting in that the Lord gave them everything they needed in the promised land. And they decided to say, thank you, Lord, we're good now. We'll do our thing. So what happened? They did evil in the Lord's sight. So what did the Lord do? He said, fine. You think you can do it yourself? I'll pull back. I'll I'll, I'll step back. And the minute he stepped back, guess what happened? The Midianites came in, and they begin to, to devastate the people of Israel, okay? Now, not only did they, they devastate them, but when Israel would work hard for their crops or work hard for their livestock, the Midianites would come in during harvest season. They would set up camp. And like the Bible said, there were so many of them, there were, there were too numerous to count. So this wasn't just like a couple hundred people. This was thousands and thousands of people that would come and camp. And the minute harvest time was ready, the Midianites would come and just strip the land bare, take all the livestock, take all the food. So Israel was left with, someone say, nothing. Nothing. So, the minute they were left with nothing, and this happened, the Bible said, for seven years, guess what happened? They cried out to the Lord. Isn't it interesting how that was their final resort? I mean, it took seven years. Seven years of this. Can you imagine seven years? Like, we're going out, Bubba, today to to, to get the fields ready. And so they work for a couple months, and the fields are growing, and then here come the Midianites, and then they take everything. Now they're left with nothing. They got to restart from scratch. They start back up again. Here come the Midianites. You with me? For seven years, this pattern went on. So they were pretty stubborn people. You with me? They were trying to do it themselves, thinking maybe maybe this year will be a little different. But every year, the Midianites would come. Numerous people. But finally, they cried out to the Lord. And so what happened? So I'm going to pause right here. I'm going to skim a little bit to help us in this story. So God was looking for someone Say, He was looking for someone. That's what God always does. When a people's in desperation, God, God will find someone. Find someone that he can literally put his spirit in strongly, that he can use on his behalf. The Bible says this, that the eyes of the Lord, it's in Chronicles, that he, the eyes of the Lord search far and wide. I mean, it's looking to all over the place for a heart. Someone say a heart that's fully devoted to him. Not half in, not half out, not, well, this Sunday I'm good and next Sunday I'll do my thing. A heart that's fully devoted to the Lord. That's what God's looking for. And when he finds that person, he says, that's someone, that's a man, that's a woman. I can put my spirit in and I can use them. And so what happens in our story is this. After seven years of this constant cycle going on, an angel of the Lord appears to a guy named Gideon. Someone say Gideon. Now this is a phenomenal story, one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. Gideon was an interesting guy. Someone say how. how? Well, he was, he was a part of these Israelites that were in hiding. So when the Midianites came, Gideon would be hiding like all everyone else. You with me? He wasn't like this valiant warrior that'd be out there saying, "Not today, Midian!" No, he would be hiding with them. And the Bible actually says this. That that uh, it's interesting. Watch this in verse number eleven. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree, which belonged to Joash the clan leader. And Gideon said, "Sorry, Gideon's son." of Joash was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So Gideon's in hiding. He's hiding some grain so that him and his family can eat, and he's hiding it well. And verse number 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Isn't that an interesting phrase? That here the people are in constant captivity and starvation. Gideon's hiding and pressing wheat in a wine press. And an angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and says, hey, you mighty warrior. I don't think he's no mighty warrior because he's hiding like everyone else. You with me? He's hiding and and sneaking around just like everyone else is. But there was something God saw in Gideon that he maybe didn't see in someone else because he chose Gideon to be this guy that was going to lead the charge to finally free Israel from the Midianites. So the angel of the Lord shows up and says, hey you, mighty warrior. And it, it reminds me of this, and I'm going to pause here for point number one if you're taking notes. God always sees your potential. God always sees your potential. See, a lot of times, and I, and I think of it this way even, when we celebrate Jesus, you know, coming as a, as a, as a baby in a manger and then coming up and being our Savior. When God would call his disciples and call those to follow him, listen, the guys that he called, the people that he called, they weren't ready to be followers of Jesus. They were fishermen, tax collectors. They, I mean, these were the guys that they were like the outcast of the day. You with me? But what did he say? He said, I see, I see what you can be. And so I'm calling you out of what you're currently doing so that I can push you into your potential, into your destiny. And so it's interesting here. Here's Gideon. Joining in with everyone else hiding in the wine press, but the angel of the Lord shows up and says, Hey you, mighty warrior. Gideon's like, I thought I was alone in this place, you know? Who's with me? Where's the mighty warrior at? And the angel's like, It's you. Me. And it's interesting because watch what Gideon says. Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles of our ancestors that they told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. So he starts just complaining. If the Lord is with us, where is he? Where is he at? Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Because it's interesting because earlier on, Gideon was talking about, I'm the weakest in my tribe. Like, there's nothing special about me. Gideon starts giving every excuse in the book. And then he says, where's the Lord? You look, look at where we're at. Where's God in this? If he really is with us. And the angel says this, go in the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. I want you to catch something here that's interesting. I want to read into this text a little bit. To help you kind of as you read the Bible, really read it with open eyes, with a spirit-led sensitivity. So the angel says in verse 14, the Lord, the angel turned to him and said, Go with the strength, someone say you have. You have, and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. So the Lord's saying, Gideon, I'm sending you. Go with the strength you have. But watch what Gideon says. He says, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manassas, and I'm the least in my tribe. But I want you to watch verse 16. I think, this is just Pastor Jared sharing this. This isn't what the Bible says. I'm just reading in this a little bit. I think that was almost like a little bit of a test. Because the angel the, the angels said, Gideon, go with the strength you have. I'm sending you. And then Gideon's like, do you know who I am? I'm the weakest of the weak. I, I, I'm, there's nothing about me. Like, I'm the lowest of the low in my family. And my tribe, they're the lowest of the low. So you picked the wrong person and the wrong clan. You're with me. But watch what verse 16 says. So it's almost like the Lord wanted to get Gideon to that place to remind himself, Gideon, I'm choosing you not because you're a mighty valiant warrior. I'm choosing you because I'm going to use you on my behalf, not, not on what you can do on my behalf. So watch what verse 16, the Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Now, that's a bold statement in it. Cause these Midianites were numerous. They were a mighty, mighty people. And so it's interesting because the Lord said, go with the strength you have and then Gideon's like, I don't have any strength. I'm the lowest of the low. I'm the, I'm the weakest of the weak. And the Lord said, yeah, I know. But you're not going in your strength now. You're going because I'm sending you. You're with me. See, when God sends you, that's what makes all the difference. When God is with you, that's what makes all the difference. When you're with yourself, pfft. Good luck trying to do it, good luck trying to overcome it, good luck trying to be a better you. That's what our society tries to teach people, right? Just be a better you, get a better version of you out there. But the problem is this, we can't create better us's. You with me? We did a pretty pathetic job with the first us, you with me? Like, when we try to make better us's, it just gets worse and worse. We can try to feel a little better, we can try to do something to get us to feel a little better, but ultimately is this, if God's not with you, you're going to find yourself backpedaling even when you're trying to go forward. Because listen, only God who created you fully knows your potential and your value and your worth. So if something else tries to put its value and worth on you, it's going to leave you like Gideon, ultimately in hiding. Maybe outwardly you look good and you look impressive and you got a smile on your face, but I meet a lot of people every day that can put the smile on their face, but if I could look in their heart, they're in hiding. Because listen, God is the one who's meant to God is the one who's meant to go with you. He's the one who said, I'm sending you. But if you're not being sent by him, then listen, you're running around aimlessly in this world trying to find purpose, trying to find meaning, just trying to make it another day. And so Gideon is in that very exact moment. He's hiding, threshing wheat in a wine press, trying to get food for his family, just trying to make it another day. And here the angel of the Lord shows up and says, Hey, you mighty warrior. He says, You know me? You want to know about me? I'm the weakest of the weak and the weakest of the weak. And the angel's like, See, I wanted you to realize that because you're not going because you're the strongest of the strong. You're going because I am sending you. Someone say, He's sending me. That's what makes all the difference in the life of a believer. It's not that you're better than others. It's not that you're even stronger than others. Listen, whether you're a believer that can bench press 900 pounds or a believer that can bench press two pounds, it doesn't matter. What matters is, is he sending you? Because if he's sending you, that's what breaks the yoke. That's what lifts off the heavy, you with me, the oppressing rod, all these things that Isaiah was talking about. He's the one that does it, not You? You with me? You're the one, me and you are the one that get us bound and get us imprisoned. But he's the one, when he comes, he lifts it off. He lifts it off. So he comes and he finds Gideon. He says, Gideon, I'm using you. And so if you read into this chapter, Gideon starts putting some tests before the Lord, saying, Lord, is it really you? So God's gracious with Gideon and patient with him. Aren't you thankful for God's patience in our life? I want to tell you, man, if if God wasn't patient, patient with, I know with me, he would have written me off a long time ago, but I'm thankful for his patience because when he's sending you his promises, he'll be with you. And listen, when he's with you, he knows, he knows the, the, he knows the faults in your life and he's willing to work with you. If you're willing to daily surrender those to him, the problem is me and you get in the way when we say, Lord. I think I can manage today. And he says, you think so? You think, you, think you, you can manage today? That's what Israel tried to do, right? Israel said, Lord, we're in the promised land. We got everything we need. I think we can take over. And he said, oh, you think so? And here comes the Midianites. And for seven years, they get devastated. And then Gideon, the weakest of the weakest of the weakest. You following the pattern? You, last week, Jesus started his ministry with the outcasts and the no ones and the nobodies and said, Hey, you, Simon, come with me. Hey, you, James and John, come with me. This week, God's reminding his people, Hey, you remember the Midianites? They were a vast, numerous army that was constantly devastating the people of Israel. But you remember when I found that man named Gideon? Yeah, you remember that guy? The weakest of the weakest of the weakest of the weakest? Remember when I found him? So what happened? So Gideon puts some tests before the Lord saying, Lord, is it really you? And so you can read into all this. So finally, Gideon accepts the challenge and says, Lord, I'll lead. If you're going with us and you're the one fighting for us, I'll do what it is you've asked me to do. And so Gideon grabs the, 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 the horn of war and blows it. And here come all the warriors. All right. The Bible says, you know, about 22, uh, it would be more than that, about 32,000 men came for war, okay? Now, that seems like a lot of people, right? But the Midianites were a very much larger army than 32,000 people. So that was a pretty significant, like, yeah, we have a good amount of people, but we're still nowhere near the army of the Midianites. So this is going to be pretty bad, okay? But Gideon's like, you know, the Lord's with us. And guess what God does to Gideon? Someone say what? God shows up to Gideon and says, hey, if you go out the battle with 32,000 men and you beat them, you're going to think you did it. Yeah. So we can't have that happening because that's why you're in the problem in the first place. You thought you got yourself in the promised land. You took, you took ownership of it, and now you're in captivity. And so what does God say to his people? He says, hey, look, that I need you to understand that that's too many men. So I need you to ask, is there anyone among us that's scared? Someone say scared. He says, is any one of you scared? He says, if you're scared, leave. Go back home. So remember, he called all the warriors for battle because God told them, Gideon, you're going to lead the army and you're going to defeat the Midianites, okay? So all these men come. Hey, who's scared? Go back home. Guess how many people went back home? So 22,000 of them went back home. <laughs> is that encouraging? You call 32,000 and 22,000 go back home. That's a good day at the office, right? No, not a good day at all. So 22,000 people go back home. So now Gideon's left with how many? I'm not a mathematician, but that would leave him with 10,000 men. So Gideon is now left with 10,000. Thinking, all right, Lord, I got 10,000. Is that good? And the Lord's like, nope, we still have too many. Gideon's like, the the Midianites have like hundreds and hundreds of thousands. And like, here we are with 10,000. Like, weren't even no match for them with 10,000 people. And the Lord's like, you still have too many. So you know what he says? It's interesting. He says, I need you to go down, and you're going to have the men drink water. The ones that lap the water with their tongue right off of of the the lake or wherever they're at, those ones, they're going to go home. But the ones that cup the water with their hand and drink it out of their hand, those are the ones that will stay with the army. So Midian takes them down, and he evaluates, and he separates the men. And guess what happens? only 300 men drank the water with their hand. So he went from 32,000 to 22,000 scared men down to 10,000. Then he went from 10,000 down to 300. So the Lord told Gideon, hey, you mighty warrior, I'm gonna use you. Gideon's like, all right, Lord, First of all, I'm the weakest of the weak, but I get it. You're sending me, so I'll go. So he blows the war, the ram, the ram home for war, 32,000 men. And he's like, all right, we got a little bit of an army here. We can, we maybe, if the Lord's with us, like he said he is, then we're going to do something. And the Lord said, nope, you got too many. I need you to thin it out. <laughs> Lord, <laughs> you're testing me. Like, I, I know I heard from you because you confirmed it, but now you're testing me again. Lord, what is this? And the Lord said, see, if you're strong enough to get the glory, then that's the problem. I need you to realize that I'm the one who deserves all the glory. And so God gets the the Israelites down to 300 men. And watch what verse 7 of chapter 7 says. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns and the other warriors and sent them home. But he kept the three hundred men with him. Now it's interesting because Gideon now has his three hundred men. They're ready for battle, going up a very going up against a very large Midianite army, well over one hundred and twenty thousand men. Think about that. They have a. I mean, the Bible talks about that. They were they were as numerous as the sands on the seashore. This was a big, big army, and here's his little three hundred men. <laughs> And here's Gideon, the weakest of the weakest of his tribe, leading them, who was just a few moments ago hiding, threshing wheat in the threshing floor. So point number one was God always sees your potential. Number two, if you missed it, is God is the one who sends you. So you can't can't be in the you can't be in the position of saying, Lord, this is what I want to do, so I'm going to do it. That would be disobedience. you following me this morning. Disobedience is when you say, I'll do things my way. And the Lord says, all right, go ahead. But if you want to live a life of obedience, you're going to have to learn to, to sensitize, to, to get sensitive in your spirit, to know what the Lord's asking you to do and to do it. You with me? you follow following me this morning. So, For each of you in this room, it looks different. Some of you guys, your life is a mess right now. And the Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is going to speak to you this morning to make a big step of faith to first commit your life to him. And then the second one is to allow us to help you in transitioning from where you're at to where he sees you can be. Some of you guys, it's it's different. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in your life, and your work life, whatever it is this morning. Is the Lord the one sending you or are you the one saying, Lord, I'm going to do it my way now? So after all this transpires, finally Gideon gets his 300 men. And that night, I'm sure Gideon was like emotionally a wreck. You with me? He's like, Lord, I know you sent sent us, but we're down to 300 men. And the Midianites were, were bringing their men back into the camp to get ready to invade Israel again. And so it's interesting because God saw Gideon's weakness, and this is what he did. He said, Gideon, I want you to sneak down to the Midianite camp. I want you to listen to what they're saying about you. Gideon's like saying about me, little, little weak me. I'm sure they're probably laughing, playing games and joking about weak little me and my 300 men. They're probably like laughing. You know, a couple of their great warriors are going to come and annihilate us. But God said this. He said, Gideon, I want you to sneak down to their camp tonight. And I want you to listen to what they're saying. And you'll realize I'm the one sending you that you didn't. That you didn't overcome the Midianites. I'm the one that's sending you and I'm the one who's going to defeat them. So here's what happens. Gideon sneaks down to the Midianite camp. And so Gideon took one of the guys with him. He went down to the edge of the camp. The armies of the Midianites and the Malachites and the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. So there was lots of them and but a very few of Israelites, okay? Their camels and their and their grain, their camels were like grains of the sand of the seashore, too many to count. Verse 13, Gideon crept up just like as a man, just, just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, I had a, I had a dream. And in my dream, a loaf of barley and bread came stumbling down into the Midianite camp and it hit a tent, turned it over and knocked it flat. Verse 14, his companion answered, so these are the Midianites talking amongst each other, and Gideon and his buddy are listening in at what they're saying. So this guy had a dream about a loaf of barley coming into the camp and destroying the camp. Watch what the companion said. This is one of the Midianites. He said, oh, your dream can only mean one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and all its allies. Isn't that interesting? The very enemy was, was the ones who were the numerous as the sands of the seashore. And here's little Gideon 300. So Gideon sneaks out and says, what are they saying? And God gave one of them a dream that Gideon was going to overcome them all. So you know what that did to Gideon? It gave him strength. And I missed verse um, 34 of verse number six. I wanted you to catch this verse, this one verse, because this made all the difference. It was um, Judges chapter six, verse 34. It says, then the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. Someone say power. When that power came on Gideon, that was that source of transitioning from Gideon moving from his strength to receiving God's strength for the task ahead. So Gideon got clothed with this power. He snuck down, heard the Midianites talking that God had given him victory. All of a sudden, Gideon, that power came, this source of strength to him. And the next thing he does is he gathers the 300 men. He said, God's given us these people. We're not going to waste any more time. It was a little after midnight. Gideon separated the 300 into groups of hundreds, so that to put three groups around the camp of Midianites. And guess what they did? To sum up the rest of the story, to get where I believe God wants to take us this morning as we close. They blew the ram's horn. They broke clay jars. And they said, for the Lord and for Gideon. And the minute they shouted that, guess what happened? They never drew a sword. They never pulled back a bow. Next thing you know, they did what God told them to do. And the Lord was the one sending them. And the Midianites started to kill each other. (laughs) And they just sat there and watched. And next thing you know, the Bible said that they started to flee. And then Gideon said, we're going after them. We're not leaving any of them. So Gideon chases them all down. He chases the, the high officials down. I mean, this dude becomes like, when Gideon comes back from battle, they're like, Gideon, Gideon, he's our man. If he can't do it, no, are you with me? Like, the lowest of the low, the weakest of the weak. Gideon now, boom. You know what's interesting is, I want I want to leave this with you, and then I'm going to wrap this all together. I'm trying to bring you through an entire story. It's a hard job to do, and I'm trying to bring you through this story, because some of you guys have never heard the story before. So Gideon over gets the battle. Remember God said, Gideon, I want to be careful that you don't get the glory or that the people of Israel don't get the glory. God says, "I want to be the one that gets the glory in this." So Gideon comes back. The people are excited. they're free from captivity. And they say, Gideon, you be our ruler. You rule over us. And I want you to catch this phrase right here. Verse 22 of chapter 8. Then Gideon replied, I will not rule over you, nor will my son. The Lord will rule over you. That's what God wanted to bring his people to. Israel, you've been trying to do things your way yourself. But Gideon wanted to remind the people this was all about God. This battle that we just won, it wasn't about me. Do you remember who I am? <laughs> Little wheat Gideon hiding out threshing wheat in a wine press. I'm not very impressive. But God, who, he overcame those Midianites and he's the one who wants to rule. So where am I going at this morning? And Isaiah, where God was trying to remind the people of a great victory that he won for them, these mighty Midianites, God chose little, little Gideon and said, Gideon, I'm sending you. And when I'm sending you, you will be victorious. I want to remind you this morning, if God's sending you, no matter what it is that tries to stand in your way, no matter what opposition or obstacle tries to come against you. I want, I want to remind you, and some of you guys, you need to go back to maybe some memories of what the Lord's done in your life. Because sometimes you can find yourself weary and not excited about what God's doing because in the current moment, you find yourself surrounded by a lot of opposition. You with me? You find yourself surrounded by a lot of stress or things that are just overwhelming you and you feel like I can't get to where God's sending me. How do I get there? How do I go? How, I, God, I, I sent your presence. And I know what you've called of me and ask of me. But Lord, how do I? Sometimes you have to be like in Isaiah where God reminds the people, hope's coming, a savior's coming. And don't forget what I did to the Midianites. Because right now you may not see hope. You may not, you may not even feel hope but when you can remind yourself of what God can do. And I want to tell you, as a believer, that's why the word of God is so important in your life. Because if you're feeding on your own thoughts, danger. You with me? If you're feeding and trying to become the the, the self-help coach in your own life, be careful. The word of God is what is literally, the Bible says, it's a daily bread. Jesus said it in a prayer. Do you remember? What did he say? The disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he walks him through a prayer and he says one of the key phrases. He said, give us today our what? Daily bread. He wasn't talking about a loaf of bread you put in the oven. You with me? He was going deeper than that. He was saying, you got to learn every day. There's a a bread that your spirit man needs. And listen, it will clothe you like Gideon got clothed with power and strength. That you may be the weakest of the weak. You may be right now the most miserable of the most miserable. But this morning... You can be clothed not from what you can muster up to get in strength and encouragement. You can be clothed with a power that doesn't come from you. It's a source not of this world. And that's why Jesus came to this world. To say, hey, I'm going to unlock something that this world can't give you. I'm sending, God said, I'm sending my one and only son as a gift because it's unlocking something that you can't unlock. It's giving you something that you can't give yourself, nor can you receive from others. It's not by your might. It's not by your power. And so this morning I want to ask you, are you relying on yourself? Maybe you're like Gideon. Maybe you're in hideout mode right now. You're hiding out. You're you're sneaking out. And God God, using this little ball-headed pastor to tell you, God sees potential in you, even when you don't see it in yourself. God sees something of value in you even when you don't see it in yourself. And so that's why you got to find a new source. If your source is constantly leaving you rung up to dry and weary and devastated, then you're running off the wrong thing. Are you following me this morning? Jesus is that only hope that satisfies, that only hope that, that fills you and fulfills you and fulfills you. And are you with me? Even when you're feeling drained. He, and I want to tell you, as a pastor, At this church, in this community, there are times when I feel overwhelmed and say, Pastor, I just feel like, Lord, can we even make it another day? And that's when the Lord reminds me, Jared, it's not your strength. And I remember reading this this week and praying in my study and just praying, Lord, I want to be clothed like Gideon with that power, not one time, but every day, Lord, renew my mind, my heart. Because each day is going to bring about struggling and bring about things and bring about things that, that are going to happen out of the ordinary. And if you're not clothed on high from God's spirit, then, then something else that's clothing you. And be watch out, be careful. Are you with me? So, how can a weary world rejoice? Because the promise of a Messiah was fulfilled, but not just fulfilled. He's victorious in every battle. And if he's the one sending you, then you don't need to worry about how it's gonna happen or what's gonna happen or is this gonna turn out. Are you with me? You need to remember he's the one who sends you. Now, where's he sending you? Well, that's to be determined. See, some people want a word. They'll come up and say, pastor, give me a word. And I'm like, sometimes you need to learn to hear the voice of God for yourself. Because if you run off of other people's voices, you'll be running around this world aimlessly. you with me. Some of you guys, you listen to a lot of people. But you've never gotten alone with the word of God and in that place where you can hear you with me hear from him. Because that's what's going to that's what's going to clothe you from on high. That's what that's what Gideon had to learn. See Gideon, he knew what everyone else was saying. Lord, I'm the weakest of the weak of the weak of the week. Of the week. The Lord says, that's what everyone else says. But let me tell you what I see in you. You mighty warrior, you, you guy who's about to destroy me. I see something in you, buddy, that you don't see in yourself. And this morning, I want to encourage you. Don't give the enemy any more play in your life. This morning is the morning where you say, Lord, I'm fully surrendered to you. Lord, I'm fully surrendered to what it is you ask of me. No more struggling, no more striving, no more me trying to make things happen. Lord, I'm surrendering fully to you. That's the starting key. See, God had to get Gideon to that place. Gideon finally got there. And then with the angel of the Lord said, I'm sending you. I'm sending you, Gideon. And this morning, I don't know where you're at or what you're going through, but the Lord knows. And he searches the deep things of our heart, the things no one else knows. Listen, the things that even your spouse doesn't know, the things even your best friend doesn't know. The things your closest person that you, you're connected to, they don't even know, but he knows. So why are you going to leave it hidden anymore? Why are you going to leave it in the dark and and try to leave it hidden? Why don't you let the Spirit of God reveal that this morning? If it's secret sin in your life that you need to hand it over to him, hand it over. If it's insecurity like Gideon, Lord, I'm the weakest of the way I can't be used, and you've been playing games with God for years, not fulfilling all that he's called you to do. Listen, this morning, surrender that to him. He knows how to fit the pieces together to use you for your calling better than you know how to be used for your calling. you with me? Listen, I remember when, i am on with this story, then we're going to pray together. I remember when I was um, getting done youth pastoring and we are transitioning full-time into the work we're doing now at City Beat. And, you know, there wasn't much of anything really put together. But I just, I, I knew there was a call, like the Lord calling Gideon, Jared, I need you for this. And I'm like, Lord, you know, giving the Lord every excuse in the book. But there comes that moment where you have to be honest before the Lord and say, Lord, I think I'm being a little selfish here because I I know you're calling me, but I just feel inadequate. I feel like I can't really do that. And there's that transition moment where you finally admit your weakness and, and you surrender that to the Lord, like a Paul did. When Paul says, the Lord had to teach me that in my greatest weakness, that's when his greatest strength shows up. It's not when you're at your greatest strength because that's when you try to get the glory. It's when you're at your weakest, that surrendering place. And some of you guys this morning, you're gonna, you're, you're hitting that place of deepest surrender. That's when the Lord can show his greatest strength in your life. And that's what was the, the tipping point for me. When I realized that and I realized you're the one sending me, Lord, it's not me, it's not my credibility, it's not my whatever, like I don't have any of that. And when you realize that, you get clothed, With a power from on high that's not from this world it's from the spirit of god and it helps you it helps you it helps you take that first step even when you feel like you can't take it maybe that first step is going to be scary you're going to have to open up and be vulnerable to someone that can be scary but i want to tell you you're at a community that loves you and we want to see god's best for your life so don't be scared to be open what should really scare you is that you, the longer you keep something concealed and hidden in the dark, it doesn't get better. <laughs> you with me? Over time, it doesn't heal, it gets worse. So I believe God's drawn some people this morning. I want to pray for you this morning. And if you're in this house and man, first and foremost, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're far from God. And you say, Pastor, I know I'm far from God. I, I know God's drawing people to Himself this morning listen, I'm not a great preacher, I'm not a great speaker, but I just, I fully want to rely on the God's spirit. And if God's drawing you this morning to his, to his, to his heart, he's saying, come to me. I want to invite you into a relationship with Jesus. You say, pastor, how do I do that? Well, the Bible says it's by faith. See, relationship with Jesus doesn't start on your works. doesn't start on your good efforts. It doesn't start on you getting yourself together. It starts on surrender and saying, Lord, I'm putting my faith in you. The Bible says, if anyone who calls in the name of the Lord, they will be saved. And so that's a promise that the Lord keeps. He keeps his promise. We talked about that last week. So if you're in this house this morning and you don't know Jesus said, Lord, and Savior, I want you just to pray this with me. You can say this as simple as this. You can say, dear Jesus, right now, I surrender my life to you. I'm in need of a Savior. So Lord, would you come and wash me clean with that blood that was shed on Calvary. Make me a new creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now listen, if you said that prayer, I want to make this clear. A prayer doesn't save you. It's your heart opening up. It's when you're saying it with your mouth and your heart experiences that transformation. That's the beauty of the work of God. It's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone's in Christ, through are a new creation. Old things begin to pass away. All things become new. That's what God wants to help you with. So if you just said that prayer this morning, first thing you need to do is tell someone. If you want to come, tell me. I'm, I'm, I'm in no rush to get out of here. I'll stay as long as I need You can come up and say, Pastor, I said that. I want to help you, equip you with a Bible if you don't have one. I also want to equip you with a family of believers because some of you guys are going to need need to make some big choices and we want to help you with those choices. You're not alone in this. The devil would like to lie to you and say, you're all alone, but you're not. So resist the lie and get out of the comfort zone and come. Are you with me? Secondly, if you're a believer in this house this morning, this is what I want to ask you because we're in Christmas time and so we, we get flooded with everything, right? Presence, and the music, and holiday spirit. But my prayer this morning is from the simple story of Gideon. Do you remember what God sees of you? Do you remember what God says of you? Some of you guys need to go back to the drawing board of whose you are. Because we get lost in the world that tries to overwhelm us and confine listen it tries to define every area of your life the culture will do that so you need to remind yourself every day the word of God is my source and if that's my source then I need to receive it every day I got to be in that word I got to be spending time with God daily not 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 monthly not weekly daily that's why Jesus said daily you need your bread and some of you guys you may be struggling with that And I want to encourage you. I believe the Lord sent me just with a simple word to say, start today. (laughs) Start today. Listen, the past is the past. Pick up right now. Back in that word. Renew your thoughts in the word. Listen, if something comes to mind, don't go off a whim. Refine it with God's word. You with me? Because if he's the one sending you, then listen, let God's word be the source of your strength. If something comes to you and it contradicts God's word, listen, then then you need to get it out of you. His word, his, listen, the rhema, the spoken word of God will be confirmed by the logos, the written word of God. Some of you guys need to remind yourself of that. So when God speaks to you, confirm it through his word and then you know what? Act on it. You with me? There's a filter in which you act on things when God puts in your spirit. And as you do that, listen, you'll start to see promises fulfilled. You'll start to see things happen that you can't do in and of yourself. Why? Because he's the one sending you. Amen.